This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. It's Zuma Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, (laughs) and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. I'm really charged tonight because I've got a special treat. As you know by now, I'm always on the lookout for new old shows, and boy, I've uncovered a dandy. Bold Venture was a syndicated radio series starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. It aired from 1951 to 1952. Morton Fine and David Friedkin scripted the tape series for Bogart's Santana Productions. So, what was the show's premise? Well, salty sea dog Slate Shannon, played by Bogey, Uh, owns a Cuban hotel sheltering an assortment of treasure hunters, revolutionaries, and other shady characters. With his sidekick and ward, the sultry Sailor Duval, played by Lauren Bacall, tagging along as he encounters modern-day pirates and other tough situations while navigating the waters around Havana. Aboard his boat, the bold venture Slate and Sailor experience adventure, intrigue, mystery, and romance in the sultry settings of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean. Calypso singer King Moses provided musical bridges by threading plot situations right into the lyrics of his songs. Music for the series was by David Rosa. I think you'll find it very impressive. The relationship between Shannon and King Moses and uh, his ownership of an inn is strongly reminiscent of the dynamic between Rick Blaine and Sam in Casablanca. Right on. You plan it for her, you can plan it for me, see? More about Bogey and Bacall after we hear the episode of Bold Venture entitled Forged Bill of Lading. Bold Venture! Adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Together in the sultry setting of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean. Adventure. Magic names of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall bring you Bold Venture and a tale of mystery and intrigue. Come 
more people come to Shannon's place. Cash register is one big disgrace. The money that lies within the till could possibly change one dollar bill. Why the applause, sailor? Because I like Calypso songs, and because I like the way King Moses sings them. You know, you're a lucky man, Slate. You get your business troubles set to music. Yeah, it delights me. Saturday night and no customers. What's a man supposed to do on a Saturday night? You're a big boy now. But if you don't know, King Moses will tell you. Don't worry about it, Mr. Slate. It was the same no business last year when the rainy season came. Mr. Slate? Well. Well, what? Here comes a man who's liable to start a fad. He takes out a girl on Saturday night. Yeah, smile like you can hardly bear the fun you're having, sailor. Good evening, sir. Table for two in the corner, mister. Hold the menu till I whistle. Lady's not hungry. Are you, baby? No. Not thirsty either, are you, baby? No. See what I tell you, mister? Uh, don't bother, I'll find myself a place. Yeah, don't forget to whistle. Everything all right, baby? You happy? If I were dead, I'd be happy. Oh, baby, Dolores, baby. Oh, no, no. Uh, come on, sit down. That's my girl. Take your hand away from me. You don't tell Vic what to do, remember? Remember? Uh, yes, I remember. Well, uh, that's good. Real good. Fine. All right. You said you wanted to talk to me before you gave me the papers. Talk. If I give them to you. Hey, you're starting off all wrong. There's no if in it. Just give me the papers and get talk your head off. I'll listen and smile and nod anything you want to say. How do I know? If I give them to you, how do I know everything will be all right then? Oh, baby, baby. How do baby. I know? You don't know anything at all. I, you're hurting my arm. Yet, mister. Those welts you're raising on the lady's arm hurt my eyes. Outside, busted. By yourself. Out. You want to play. You want to play, huh? Real good. Play. Okay. Okay. I'll get up. Where'd the girl go? Girl I came in here with. Where'd she go? She couldn't wait. She left. You know something, mister? You just don't know what you did. Who wants me? It's Vic, Captain. Now, did you bring him? No. I gave you an order. Million dollars shining down on us, you'll take more, won't you? <laughs> won't you? Yeah, Captain. All right. You can come in now. Well, the ship's empty except for you. You like it here alone, Captain? Havana within kissing distance, you stay here alone? I gave the crew shore leave. They can kiss it for me. They can do other things with their mouths. Like talk. You talked, but you didn't come back with anything. Something got away. A spoonful of Havana girl, and you couldn't take away from her what was bought and paid for. Maybe you ought to talk to the ship's doctor, huh? I told you. A guy named Slate Shannon lost it. You'll tell me how, huh? I had my hands on him. Girl got girlish about it. Began to think of reasons why she shouldn't give them to me. 
I tried to persuade him. I was going good, too. And this slate Shannon wrapped your knuckles because he's a hero. I never knew you were a hero, worshipper, Vic. The things I don't know about you. Like to try yourself, Captain. I can give you the address with a recommend. You're slime, Vic. Isn't that what you are? Answer me! That's what I am. You let a quarter of a million dollars run through your fingers. That makes you slime. You already said once. I got a fortune in opium in the hole. In the barrio in Havana, we can get a quarter of a million dollars for it. You know how it is with all that money? I heard. I get hungry for nice things, expensive things, things I haven't had for a long time. I want those things, Vic. That's why we brought this tub all the way from Macau. Thanks, Brady. You shouldn't stop it. We can't unload all that stuff because I haven't got a bill of lading. Because you didn't get it for me. Just a bill of lading that says I'm carrying canned apple juice. That's too much to ask, Vic. I'll get it. Sure you will, Vic. Sure you will. How many times have I told someone to fix this desk drawer? The last man you had in here to fix that drawer told you we'd have to demolish the desk to get it open. You should have taken the three dollars he offered you for it. I've got a pipe in that drawer. You've got other pipes. I know, but somebody gave me this pipe. Did she break it in for you first? Ah. Uh, it won't open, Slate. It never does. Answer the phone. I'll bet it won't open this time either. Hello? Who? Mr. Slate Shannon? He's trying to open a drawer right now. Can I help you? Oh, sure. Yes, he's here. Slate. Who is it? The girl with the wealth. You'd better talk to her. Yeah. Slate Shannon speaking. Please bring the envelope to me. What? The envelope I gave you. I must have it. What are you talking about? What envelope? Well, you're fighting. I put an envelope in your pocket. Huh? What'd you do that for? There's no time. Please, you have the envelope. The envelope with the papers in it. Now, wait a minute. I'll see. Uh Uh-uh. I'm sorry, no envelope. I put it there, in your coat pocket. Please, it must be there. Oh, why didn't you say coat? Taylor, my coat hanging on a chair over there. That's Baker. She sounds that excited, and all she wants from you is your dry cleaning. See, there's an envelope in one of the pockets. All right. There's an envelope here. Thanks. Hello? Yes. Okay, I've, I've got your envelope. Well, what's important about it? Bring it to me, please, please. There's no time. Please bring it to me. Now, just take it easy. Where do I bring it? To Avenida Presidente, number 18, the end of the hall. Well, who do I ask for? For me, Dolores Quito. Oh, please. Please, hurry. Right away, Dolores. You're going to see Dolores right away? This minute. Help me with my coat, Snake. <laughs> You have convinced me. Instead of five dollars, I will take you to such places for only three dollars. Senorita, talk it over with your man, please. He does not know bargains. Yes, all right. Here, Chico, here's a bill. Pretend we've been to all those charming places. Gracias, gracias. Golly, Jay, a buck. Thanks, doll. Go on, suckers. Why, you? <laughs> Come back here, you phony. How long have you been in Havana, sailor? Maybe too long. Why do you stay here, Slate? 
man like you could have the world on a string with pretty things dangling from it. I've had it. I don't like it. But this you like. The phonies, the beggars, the two-bit tourists that hire out your boat, your hotel, you. Errand boy to a beaten-up girl. That's what fascinates you about Havana? You want to know, huh? No. And I'll tell you. Sometimes I get hungry for something. I don't always know what it is. But Havana comes up with it every time. Now you know. That's what I thought. That's why I didn't want you to tell me. Here we are, number 18, end of the hall. After you, sailor. Thanks. Now, let's go. They killed him. They killed him. Killed who? My, my husband, Senor Quito. He opened the door of our house to them. They shot him down. Like a street dog he lies there. Mm. Who did it? I do not know. I did not see them. They ran away through that door in the back. They ran away. They did not show me their faces. Dolores Quito, she lives here? She's my daughter. Where is she? In the barrio. She told me, do not be afraid, Mamacita. I go to the barrio to hide there, she said to me. She should be with me. With her father, not in the barrio. Yes, senor. Let me help you. <laughs> and when you're through helping her, Sheila, take this envelope home. Put it in the desk. You can help, too. I am. I'm going to find Dolores for her. In the barrio. <laughs> Dolores Quito, know where she is? You are not needed here, senor. I'll look. Do not try, senor. Dolores Quito is unknown to us. You look for something, maybe, huh, senor? Dolores Quito. I am Alicia. You tell me where she is? I am Alicia. But come inside. I will show you there is no one here but Alicia. You uh, dance with Alicia? Dolores yeah. <laughs> Quito, they call me maybe. No sabe, no sabe nada. All right, mister. Sure. Well, we better get in this doorway out of the rain. Yeah, that'll be good. Here. Hey. Hey, you're the guy. That's right, I'm the one. He's your captain. Yeah. You did good, Captain. Real good. Fine. There's an old proverb to the effect that trifles make perfection. But perfection is no trifle. Certainly the steps taken in the preparation of log, cabin, white bread are not trifles, but they do make for perfection. You see, log, cabin, white bread is made from a special recipe that calls for extra amounts of rich, nourishing ingredients. Ingredients every bit as fine as those you, uh, those you yourself use for your most prized recipes. And log, cabin, white bread is specially baked, too, in a way that ensures longer-lasting freshness. Yes, log, cabin, white bread is truly fine bread. Look for it at your market tomorrow in the gay yellow and white wrapper with the log cabin on the front. For bread at its very best, for flavor, for freshness, 
for nourishment. Insist on log cabin white bread. Now back to Bold Venture and our stars Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall and the second act of our story. Shannon, we go to Barrio, the place of danger where the lights are low. A fella, he bang on Mr. Shannon's head. Mr. Shannon, he thinks pavement is new bed. Play Shannon. Don't rub it in, King. Taylor? Uh huh? Give me that envelope out of my desk. I want to see what's in it that makes me bleed. It's not in the desk. The drawer won't open, remember? I don't care where it is. Just get it. It's in the safe. I'll get it, Lady Sailor. Left 23, right 14. That's a loud, King. Don't get excited, Slate. The only thing in that safe beside the envelope is a necktie. Say, I've never seen you in a necktie. How do you look? Nifty and dapper. Is the envelope, Mr. Slate? Thanks. Yeah, I don't get it. What is it? It's a bill of lading for the steamship Capricorn. Look. Says they're supposed to unload six cases of apple juice in Havana Harbor. Apple juice? What do you mean, apple juice? Apple juice means apple juice. What else does apple juice mean? Well, I don't know, but I'll bet it's the first time in history anybody ever got beat up for apple juice. Mm. I think it's a more clever thing, Sailor. When I come back, you can tell them to me. Put the envelope back in the safe, King. You going out? Sure. The rain stopped, the moon's out, the sea's calm. Who knows? I might find me a steamship. <laughs> Pretty girl, Dolores. Girl as pretty as you could go very far in the world. Couldn't she, Vic? Very far. Please. Please take me home. I am no good to you. No, you're not, baby. Gentle, Vic. Gentle. A girl like Dolores with a nice family and all. A nice port inspector for a father. A man who can forge bills of lading. You should be gentle with a girl like that, Vic. You're right, Captain. Wait till you see how Vic can be with a girl when he puts his heart in it. It'll surprise you, Dolores. Vic? You'd like to go home, wouldn't you, baby? Yes, yes. Sure you would. But you know something? It's going to be lonesome for you. No fun. Oh, you killed it. Uh, just you and your mother. It's hardly enough for a pretty girl like you. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. You know what else, baby? You shouldn't have double-crossed us. You should have given me that bit of lady like a soft little kitten. You shouldn't have run when you saw us coming to your house to ask you for it. Then maybe Daddy could still put his arms around his little girl. You understand how it is, don't you, Dolores? We paid your father for the forgery. You would have given it to us. But you didn't. Now, where is it? I, I do not know. I, I lost it. Oh, she lost it. Yeah, I feel sorry for you, kid. You shouldn't have done that. Uh, the things that can happen to a girl in Havana without a mother to look after her just makes my heart bleed. You wouldn't. Oh, we can arrange it, baby. Easy, real easy. Like time. I gave him to say you He had the bills of lady. Ask him for them. You'll ask him, Dolores. All by yourself. You'll go to him and say, Senor Shannon, the captain wants his bills of lading. Take them to him. For your mother, you'll do it. Huh, baby? Yes, yes. Take the pretty girl ashore, Vic. 
I beg your pardon. What can I do for you, miss? I want to see uh, Senor Shannon. He's gone. Where? Where he is this where? I don't know. Miss Saylor, she here. Miss Saylor's standing over there under the fan. Maybe she can help you. Thanks. Is your name Saylor? That's right. It's hot, isn't it? I'm looking for Senor Shannon. The feeling's mutual. Well, please, I have got to see you. Why? Listen to me. No, you listen to me. About five hours ago, you came in here. And since then, there's been nothing but trouble. Blake gets beaten up. A man gets shot to death. My father. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I'm sorry. If you're truly sorry, you will help me. I didn't say anything about that. I just said I was sorry. Senor Shannon has an envelope. It is mine. I must have it. Now I have to be sorry again. I can't give it to you. You do not understand. Right now, I only have to understand one thing. Blake Shannon is somewhere along the Havana waterfront looking for whatever he has to find. He's going to find it, and he's going to do what he has to do. I'm not going to take a chance of messing it up. Sorry. No envelope. They will kill me. They will murder again. Oh, no. Nobody's going to hit you. King Moses will see to that. You stay here. Those men, you do not know what they are. Blake does. That's more important. My father, dead. Here, sit down. I'll get you a drink of water. King Moses. Yes, Miss Taylor. Did you ever see a Saturday night like this? Ahoy, Capricorn! Ahoy! Ahoy! Wait, Shannon, coming alongside his powerboat, Paul Venture. I'll throw your line! Okay, secure. That's a letter, mister. I'll give you a light. Ah, thanks. Now, where's the captain? You're looking at it. Well, I'm just making a social call, Captain, so you can put your gun away. Think so? It's very interesting. Dick! Don't try, Shannon. I can kill you now, but I'll enjoy it more later. Is your ship, Cap? Now, what do you want? Look what the sea washed up, Dick. Well, what do you know? That's what I like about him, Captain. Every place you turn, there's Shannon to rub noses with. The Cap does your work for you, huh, Vic? Because you can't handle it alone. Oh, yeah. I remember. You can't. Let's try to dance once more, Shannon. Just you and me. Now, with the Cap holding a gun on me, I'm ashamed of you, Vic. You think I'm crazy or something? Maybe you can dance later, boys. All I need now are the bills of lading. Dolores told you to bring them, and you brought them, huh, Shannon? Dolores? Uh-huh. It was my own idea. Fast thinker, huh, Captain? My heart goes out to fast thinkers like him. So it was your own idea, huh? We admire you for it. Now hand them over. Well, I'd uh, feel like to oblige you fellas. You you admiring me and all, but I can't. You don't say. Like I said, I'd like to help you out, but I got to thinking. I thought to myself, now what is there about six crates of apple juice that's worth a man's life? That's not counting the pistol whipping you gave me, Cap. Then I thought... Now, this must be a kind of apple juice a man could grow real fond of. The fast thinker wants a cut, Captain. Yeah, how'd you guess? How much? Depends. How much is apple juice bringing these days? Quarter of a million dollars in round figures? Yeah. That's pretty round for apple juice. How much? Well, I'm not greedy. 
You boys did all the work. Ten grand. You named it. Now the bills are waiting. And I told you I haven't got them with me. I sure wish I had, fellas. Where are they? Back at my hotel. Let's see, you're uh, three miles out. It took me 20 minutes to get here. Uh, well, you ought to be back, oh, say, an hour. But you're not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes it tough. Well, what are we going to do, fellas? You'll think of something. Oh. Say, you got a ship to shore from. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we like to say hello to the folks back home. Well, then it's easy. You'll tell us. All I got to do is send a message to the Port Authority, the sailor, uh, uh, that's Mr. Val. You saw her at my place, remember, Vic? I'll never forget her. Yeah. That's all I got to do. Simple, fellas. Simple. But we'll do it for you. You'll wear it for us, huh, Shannon? My specialty. Tell her to get the envelope out of my desk drawer, a plain manila envelope, bulky. Tell her to hire a boat and bring the envelope here to me and the Capricorn, because I need it in a hurry. You can fill in your position. You'll tell her that? Hey, just like you said. Word for word. <laughs> Sounds like your girl got here fast, Charlie. Good for our side, huh? It's always been good for us. Getting better for you. Yeah, you don't know what I can do with those ten G's. Like what? Oh, I'm going to put in a parquet floor so you can come and dance on it. You really think you're going to see that crummy hotel of yours? You changing your mind about something, Captain? I thought we were buddies. Oh, we're buddies. Then I'll see my hotel again. We'll float you past it. You'll be face down. There she is, Captain. Leave her here. Get back on deck, Vic. Hi, fellas. You bring the envelope, sailor? Well, that's what you told me to do, wasn't it? I like a girl who does what she's told. Well, let's have the envelope. You ask me, Slate. Give it to him. Thanks, Shannon. Put it on the table, young lady. All right. Now, both of you get over there against the bulkhead. Slate. The etiquette when a man with a gun says stand over against the wall is to stand over against the wall. All right, now put your hands behind your neck. Like this? Or like this? It'll come to you. We're not buddies anymore, huh? I'll grieve for you. You'll grieve long enough to tell me why you had to kill that old man. Why? All right, I'll tell you. I paid him some money to forge a bill of lading for me so I could get this stuff into port. He sent his daughter down with it. She got cagey. I had to teach her a lesson. What did he promise you, Slate? Ten grand. That would have been nice. Yeah, it would. Let me take a look at this bill of lading. Been waiting for it so long. I waited a long time for this piece of paper. A quarter of a million dollars. A quarter of a... Something wrong, Captain? Now, this paper, it's blank. It's a blank. You get him, Chase. Yeah. Night's going. Sailor, I could kiss you. I knew when the message said get the envelope out of the desk, something was wrong. The desk drawer doesn't open. I switched papers. Hey, what was that you were saying? You could kiss me. Hey, Captain, I want you. You're all by yourself again, Buster. Come here. That's enough, Slate. What was that you were saying? Oh, I, I said I could kiss you. I lost my head. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy. <laughs> Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall will return in just a moment. For the meal with the family or society, log cabin cracked, we did give variety. 
made with your honey and a crackle crust, cracked wheat all through, it is so glorious. For sandwiches so popular with every guest, log cabin cracked wheat is the bread that's best. Yes, for mealtime variety, choose log cabin variety bread. This week's feature, log cabin cracked wheat is a real lunchbox lunchtime favorite. Crisp flakes of cracked wheat, pure golden honey, make it the finest sandwich combination ever. Just try log cabin cracked wheat with roast beef, pork, or cheese. Mighty good toasted, too. Look for this week's special display at your market tomorrow. Log cabin cracked wheat bread. Slate. Slate. Uh-huh. It's raining again. Yeah. No customers. Uh-huh. With the two bits, I close up the place and take the boat out to the point. I like to see the surf pounding in. Would you take me along? I'd consider it. <laughs> you've got your two bits, Blake. I said, you've got your two bits. Yeah, I sure worked hard for it. I'm tired. Man's got to relax. Let's go, sailor. <laughs> And so our two stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, have brought to a close our latest Bold Venture story. Special music was composed and conducted by David Rose. May we invite you to listen again next week at this time for another exciting adventure starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall together in Bold Venture. Until next Thursday evening at 6.30, when the bakers of fine log cabin white and variety breads again bring you Bold Venture. This is George Barkley inviting you to remember... Well, I hope you enjoyed that, and we'll hear more from that series in the weeks and months ahead. That show was first broadcast in 1951. Bogey was 52 when he performed the show, and Bacall, 26. They met while filming To Have or and Have Not in 1954, a loose adaptation of the Ernest Hemingway novel. The movie has many similarities with Casablanca, the same enemies, the same kind of hero, even a piano player's sidekick in the movie played by Hoagie Carmichael. He nicknamed her Baby. She had been a model since 16 and had acted in two failed plays. Bogart was drawn to Bacall's high cheekbones, green eyes, tawny blonde hair, and lean body, as well as her poise and earthy, outspoken honesty. Reportedly, he said, I just saw your test. We'll have a lot of fun together. Well, their physical and emotional rapport was very strong from the start. Their age difference and disparity in acting experience allowing the dynamic of a mentor-student relationship to emerge. Quite contrary to Hollywood norm, their affair was Bogart's first with a leading lady. He was still married, and his early meetings with Bacall were discreet and brief, their separations bridged by ardent love letters. The relationship made it much easier for the newcomer to make her first film, and Bogart did his best to put her at ease with jokes and quiet coaching. 
In fact, he let her steal scenes and even encouraged it. Howard Hawk, the director for his part, also did his best to boost her performance and highlight her role and found Bogart easy to direct. Hawks said of Bacall, Bogie fell in love with the character she played, so she had to keep playing it for the rest of her life. Stay tuned for Red Skelton next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now it's time for the Red Skelton Show. I think I'll go home. Hey, uh, Red. What? Hey, we've got a few seconds. Why don't you uh, recite that little limerick about Tide? Can we get Tide? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Oh, uh, I use a box of Tide. Dirt particles had better hide. Because when I shout Tide in and dirt's out, it's the truth. You can use me with pride. <laughs> we on? Yeah, we're on. From Hollywood, Procter & Gamble's Tide, the largest selling wash day product in America, proudly presents the Red Skelton Program. David Rose and his orchestra are singing stars. The Four Knights, Green Tuttle, Pat McGee, and Dick Ryan, Martha Wentworth, and John Holbrook will be me, Rob O'Connor. Just because he works for MGM as a star clown and is brought to you by Procter & Gamble doesn't mean he's so different when it comes to buying insurance, even if he is Red Skelton. <laughs> As I was saying, this policy pays double if you die a natural death. Well, what do you classify a natural death out here? Hit by a drunk driver? Is that... <laughs> oh, we're starting off with a bang now. <laughs> you know, I don't think I need any insurance. I wish that joke had some. I'd bury it. Right? <laughs> I feel wonderful. I don't need any insurance. But I do have a little heartburn now and then. A heartburn? Mm-hmm. Well, how are you fixed for fire insurance? <laughs> How would you like to go rinse out a few things? (laughs) Now, if you just answer a couple of questions, we'll be all finished here. Uh, First, what is your full name? Red Skelton, that's full or sober. (laughs) Do you have any knee names? Uh, Richard Red Skelton. Oh, Richard. All right now, Richard. Wait a minute. Uh, Everybody calls me Red. I prefer to call you Richard. Look, Hercules. (laughs) You call me Red or there's going to be another death of a salesman around here. Well, very well. Uh, where were you born? I was born in Vincennes, Indiana. In fact, I'm planning on going back there. Twenty-six years ago, I left Vincennes as a barefooted boy. Hmm. What are you going back for, your shoes? <laughs> How would you like to turn blue? You have an awful temper, Richard. Look, I told you to call me Red. Go on, strike me. I have double indemnity. <laughs> Look, uh... Why do? Why don't you get some insurance to cover that hole in your head, boy? Please, please. One of the questions is profession. Yes. Are you a plumber? No, I'm not a plumber. Are you positive? I, I swear you fixed a leaky faucet of mine one time, Richard. If I had, I would have never let a drip like you run loose. <laughs> well, here's your papers. Now all you have to do is get a physical checkup from our doctor, and then we can tell if you qualify for a policy or not. Well, I am in perfect physical condition. Look look at my chest. Look at those shoulders. Look at them arms. Look at them arms. Oh, not so fast. I'm still trying to find your chest. (laughs) Okay, I'll go get a physical. Well, I hope you can pass. Yeah. Well, 
I hate to cheat the company this way. Well, happy blood pressure, Richard. And an open manhole to you. You probably got your hearing aid on short wave again. <laughs> what have you been doing? Oh, I... Now. Yes, yes, I will. I've been trying those new cold tablets, yes. you know. You know the kind that stops cold before it starts? Oh, oh, they do, huh? Yeah. Do, they, do you get rid of your cold? Yes, yes. I've been defrosting all day. <laughs> uh, you know... I thought you were a little lukewarm I, when you walked up here. You know, Mr. Skelton, maybe you should try my cold tablet. But I don't have a cold. Oh, that's okay. These pills will cure it anyway. <laughs> look, uh, don't look now, Mr. Fred, but I think you've slipped your trolley again. <laughs> oh, Mr. Skelton, is that any way to talk to your house boy? <laughs> Get a load of the boy. With you. <laughs> this guy saw the preview, The Birth of a Nation. <laughs> Back he wrote for the doctor. <laughs> This guy really shook the tree for Adam and Eve to get the apple from. <laughs> this guy's so old, he remembers that the writer who worked here gave me these jokes, had a job. <laughs> uh, now, Mr. Skelton, I think I'm pretty lively for my age. Lively? Yesterday, you went for a walk and a vulture followed you with a tape major. <laughs> oh, somebody's at the door. I'll get it. Okay. Uh, Hi, Skelton. Well, if it isn't Procter and Gamble's answer to Mount Whitney. <laughs> Come on in, old Connor. I uh, just dropped by to collect that bet we made on the Rose Bowl game. Oh. You ready to pay off? Yeah, the tide's already in the washing machine. You bring your laundry? Yes, it's right here. <laughs> Say that was some Rose Bowl game, wasn't it? Yeah, that old Ohio State can really play football. Yeah, but California was at a disadvantage. They were so busy trying to keep those smudge pots going, they couldn't concentrate on the game. Well, <laughs> now, wait, wait, wait. That's a joke I told, boy. Oh, it was? Yes. <laughs> well, tell it again. Tell it again. I said California was at a disadvantage. They had to keep the smudge pots going. <laughs> Well, tell me when. I don't want to step on anything. <laughs> hey, I got to go down to the medical building and get an examination. Uh, here's a line. It sounds like a Chinese name. Want to come along? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. I want to... <laughs> I want to see the doctor's face when he finds out the hair on your chest is a toupee. <laughs> Look, boy, don't laugh. I remember when you had a physical checkup and they had to jack up your stomach to, to tap your knee. <laughs> well, you know, it's not so funny. It's the first time I knew I had a knee. <laughs> hey, before we go, get some exercise music on there. We'll get in shape a little. Turn okay. the radio on, will you? Mm -hmm. And now we interrupt the commercials to bring you Dave Rose and his orchestra. <laughs> Dave will play a medley of popular tunes by Ted Fiorito, and his orchestra will play anything that comes to their mind. <laughs> well, that's good music for push-off. Huh? <laughs>
Buckle Medical Building. You know, Rod, I, now that I'm here, I'm getting nervous. Oh, buck up, Red. It's only a physical. Nothing can happen to you. Nothing can happen. The last time I took a physical, I wound up in the Army. <laughs> that was war hysteria. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Red. Huh? Look at that guy over there in the corner shadow boxing. Oh, looks like he's losing, too. Yeah. <laughs> Say, I know him. He's Cauliflower McPug, the ex-fighter. Boy, is he punchy. Come on, let's say hello to him. No, I gotta go up to the doctor's office. I'll meet you up there. Hey, uh, cauliflower. That's uh, no, stay in your corner, Bob. Stay in your corner, man. <laughs> well, come out till the bell rings. The bell ain't going to hear you, dude. It's me, Cauliflower, uh, uh, Rod O'Connor. Rod O'Connor, you know me, huh? Yes. You know me, huh? Say, you remember the big fight I had with baby face, Irving? Yeah. Tell me about it. I don't remember a thing. <laughs> You got knocked out in the first round. That I know, but was I colorful? That's the question. You know, I could, I could have taken the middleweight crown except for the fact that I had some pretty bad grades, you know. Yeah. And my jaw was broken in ten places. <laughs> some of them fights I was framed. I was put on the font. What? Put on the font. <laughs> S-P-O-T. <laughs> Let's not get our verbs in enough for you. <laughs> Well, your jaw looks all right now. Yeah, my jaw looked all right, except it should be below my lips. No, no, my jaw. You know, in my day, they told me that I could be another Jim Colbert. Can you mind me? Me, Jim Colbert. Can you mind that? Me, Jim Colbert. Who's Jim Colbert? <laughs> you know, you got to watch this fight game. It'll get you after a while. You get punchy, you start hearing bells, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's bad when you start hearing bells and stuff, you know. You were saying, answer the phone, will you? <laughs> Have you, uh, have you done any fighting lately, Colorado? Only with my wife. Only with my wife. Mm-hmm. See, but um, I'm fighting her again next week. And if I win, <laughs> I win, I get a shot at her old lady, you know. <laughs> She's laughing on television. Uh, that phone, will you? Well, there's no phone. Well, no you got phone. a good humor man went by? <laughs> hey, uh... Now, do, you, do you have any children? Oh, I guess that's what you'd call them, yeah. <laughs> I have a little boy. Huh? I have a little boy. Well, I have a little boy, too. Maybe it's the same kid. Say, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Cauliflower, huh? I think you've taken too many punches. Well, I haven't let any of them get by me. I don't know. <laughs> well, oh, hold it, hold it, hold it, please. Yeah? yeah? Six o'clock, the chime just went off. <laughs> I can whip any man on the street. Yeah, I'll bet you can. Yeah, I can still lick anybody on the street. How about that guy standing over there? Could you lick him? We're six foot tall, about 210 pounds. Well, picked up baller, boy. Picked up baller. Okay, uh, how about that fella coming out of the drugstore? Well, let me see. About five foot eight, 165. I wish you'd answer that phone. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, he looks like he's in a hurry. He better pick something smaller. Well, uh, how about that boy scout helping the old lady across the street? That's my meat, boy. Here, hold my coat, will you? Hold my... You better hold that boy scout, too. I don't want that old lady getting any help at all. <laughs> well, I'll see you later. I've uh, got to catch up with Scout. Yeah, well, i got to go in and uh, get weighed in for the fight with the little woman, you know. I'll see you down at the gym. Jim who? Jim Corbett. Who's Jim Corbett? <laughs> Is it up or is my pressure down? Well, let's say it just lays there. 
<laughs> Tell me, do you have a complaint of dizzy spell? Well, no, do you? Yes. Uh, could you maybe prescribe something for me? I... Well, you're supposed to be the doctor. Oh, I keep forgetting. I'm so new in this country. Oh, yeah. How long ago did you leave Ireland? <laughs> <laughs> Look, finish the examination so I can get out of here, will you? Well, first I must check your ears. Right. Oh, now they ain't that big, boy. <laughs> now I'll check your heart. Uh, throw out your chest. I ain't through with it yet. <laughs> Throw out yours. It's in worse shape. <laughs> that completes the examination. If you will come back in an hour, I'll give you a full report. Okay. Well, Doc. Hey, Rod, I got to come back in an hour. You want to go ahead and coffee? No, I'm going to stay here and read this magazine. This one seems pretty new. It says uh, Coolidge refuses to run again. <laughs> hey, look who's in the doctor's office across the hall there. The four nights. I wonder what they're doing here. They probably came in for a four-way cold tablet. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I think they're having their throats examined. <laughs> If your mind is in the dither and your heart is in a haze, I haze your dither and dither your haze with the magic phrase. If you chase around by trouble and you followed by a jinx, I jinx your trouble and trouble your jinx in less than forty winks. Oh, Salagadula, Minchikapula, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Put them together and what have you got? Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Salagadula, Minchikapula, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. It'll do magic, believe it or not. doctor's office. Are you ill? No, I come in here to wait for a bus. <laughs> wait, 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 I came in for a few shots. That's right. I'm in for it. Well, what kind of shots? Oh, I'm not choosy, you know. I even brought my shot glass with me. <laughs> Willie, uh, why don't you go home and sleep it off? What, and botch up a whole day's work? <laughs> look, I don't know why I even talk to you. Every time I see you, you get to look worse and worse. You just don't look right, boy. You just don't look right. I tell you, I see a lot of people in my day, but you just don't look right. <laughs> I've had a lot of queer DTs in my day, but you just don't look right. Willie, Willie, you're causing a scene. And another thing, and another thing. Yes. You just don't look right. 
snap out of it. Uh, well, have I come unsnapped? <laughs> hey, come on, I'll buy you a pretzel. They don't sell, they don't sell pretzels here. Well, how they stay in business, then? I told you this is a doctor's office. Oh, that's a likely story, a very likely story. How can it be a doctor's office? What's that television set over there for? That's an x-ray machine. Well, it's a television set. I ought to know a television set. I'll prove it. I'll just prove it to you. Yeah. I still say it's an x-ray machine. Quiet. The picture's coming on now. <laughs> My, isn't Arthur Godfrey getting bony, though? <laughs> oh, why don't you get lost? Do I? I say, why don't you get lost? I got news for you, brother. I am lost. <laughs> well, I'll see you around. Uh, is the doctor in? Here are the x-rays and test reports on Red Skelton, Mrs. Kent, Mrs. Soderstrom. Well, just put them on the desk there. I don't work here. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go with you, boy. Get go me. Let go of me. Mister, would you please hold that door open until I can get my little boy into the doctor's office? Yeah, now, let go of me. Junior, now, come on. Let go of me here. Let go of me here. I don't want to see the doctor. And I'll bet you he ain't so anxious to see me either. Now, you do as I say. I know your scheme, kiddo. This is the same doctor that brought me into the world, and you're just trying to get a refund. <laughs> Not true. This hmm? doctor had nothing to do with bringing you into the world. Oh? That's why he can practice out in the open. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which doctor brought me? I know who brought me. The stork brought you. Yeah, and then he committed suicide, right? <laughs> yes, and let's go home. I don't feel sick anymore. Oh, uh, what about that stomachache you were complaining it's about? It's all gone. It's all gone. I yes? had a hunch you were just putting on a sick act to get out of a snack. But it wouldn't hurt for the doctor to check up on you anyway. Believe me, if that doctor so much is laying a widow pinky on me, he is going to need a doctor. <laughs> now, I have spoken. Now, stop being a smarty. I said I have spoken. I warned you. So? Well, I see you. Evidently, we don't speak the same language. <laughs> oh, there's Rod O'Connor over there. What you say? Nothing, Junior, nothing. What? Uh, dear, hmm? why don't you go out in the hall and get a drink of water? I want to speak to the doctor. Alone. Okay, I'll go look at these bottles out the hall. Well, Ralph Connor, isn't that you hiding behind that magazine? Oh, hello, Lorraine. I see you're carrying a pair of empty handcuffs. Where's Junior? <laughs> he's out in the hall. Rod, I want you to help me teach him a lesson. You see, every time he thinks he's going to get a whipping, he pretends that he's sick so that I'll sympathize with him and not spank him. And I thought maybe you could act as a doctor and we could try to break him of the habit. Little do they know I'm listening at the keyboard. <laughs> hey, that might be fun. I'll do it. Oh, good. There's a doctor's white jacket on that chair. Now, you put it on, and I'll call Junior. Oh, boy, now I can get some revenge on that kid. <laughs> <laughs> Junior! Yes, sir, Come in here a minute. Okay. Hey, Mommy, you know, you know what you're about to... How'd you know I was going to shoot that guy with a bean shooter out there? Hmm? Junior, hmm? I want you to meet Dr. O'Connor. Really? Well, how do you do, Doctor? It's a pleasure to know you. You big fat slob. Think <laughs> when he a doctor, Fatso. Well, I just started practicing today. In fact, you're my first patient. Well, booty for me. Booty for me. Uh, there's nothing wrong with me, so take your business elsewhere, blimp boy. Junior, why do you call me blimp boy? I calls him the way I see them. <laughs> blimp boy, I don't like you. I'm not going to mess up your office. Oh, this is your business. Junior, 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 why can't we be friends? Because we're getting along so well as enemies. And let's be well enough alone. I heard you've been sick lately. Uh, what are your symptoms? Hmm? I say, I hear you've been sick lately. What are your symptoms? Oh, symptoms I don't feel good. <laughs> symptoms I do. 
What I mean is, do you have any pain? Only in my neck, and I caught that from you. <laughs> what do you think, Doctor? Well, the boy does look like he's lost his color. Well, you see, it's raining today, and some of the dirt was dug. <laughs> hey, can I put on me web feet and go wading? No, darling, yeah. not here. Isn't it beautiful today? See that beautiful California sunshine going down the shores? <laughs> now, Dr. O'Connor, don't keep anything from me. Is my boy all right? Will he recover? Will he... Oh, doctor, please tell me the truth. No matter how it hurts me. Well, let's not get sick in your body. <laughs> Every year it comes time for the Academy Awards, she goes berserk like this. Well, uh, Junior, I think you'll be all right if you'll go home to bed and yes? take a couple of teaspoons of castor oil. I'll drink a quart of it. What? <laughs> castor oil? Well, I don't, will not take it. I will not take it. I will not take it, big boy. Why don't you go take some? You don't look so well yourself. Why, well, I feel in great shape. Yeah, uh, you can't tell me that, boy. Your lips are a little purple, and your eyes are they're all no whites, no whites no more. What happened, boy? Oh, you're sick. Close your eyes. You're bleeding to death. <laughs> no? Now, Rod, I mean, Dr. O'Connor looks just fine. Well, take a closer look, boy. That face is pretty gray, pretty gray. Look at it. Well, uh, what do you mean, gray? Well, it's more green than gray, really. Junior! Boy, oh boy. I hate to alarm you, Fatso, but can't you hear your pulse beating? I came way over here. <laughs> Lorraine, uh, can you hear my pulse? Well, I hear something. I thought it was the riveters in the building next door. Look, I didn't get nervous. I think Look I can hear it now. Hmm? What shall I do? Well, why don't you sit down and you won't have so far to fall when you drop? <laughs> because you is going, boy, because you don't look right to me. If you, if you don't mind, I, I, I think I'll call an ambulance and go home. Oh, well, wait a minute, Doctor. What about Junior? You can bring him to the funeral, too. <laughs> oh, boy, I think he's wagging Oh, idea. now you've made Rob think he's sick. Just for that, young man, you're going to get the licking of your life. No, no, now, suddenly I don't feel too good. Me tummy has to get in me nose. is getting ready to bleed. Well, you just hold still, dear, and I'll give you another pain to worry about. No, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, it's awful funny that no matter what I complain of, you always come up with a remedy in the end. Here, here. What's going on in oh, here? Oh, we're just leaving. Bye. Now, let's hear about those reports from the test laboratory. Hi, they are. Mm. Hey, Doc, what'd you find out? Was there a fight in here or something? Everything's messed up. <laughs> I was just going to look at your chart. Oh? Now, let me get all your charts together. Uh-huh. Here we are. Mr. Skelton. Who? I have good news for you. What? You are going to be a mother. <laughs> Over my dead body? <laughs> oh, my mistake. I got hold of the wrong chart. Oh. Here's yours. Uh, what's the result? Oh. If I were you, I would settle for being a mother. Thanks for being with us, and until next Sunday... This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now, and thanks for listening, and thanks for buying more and more of the Voice Day Miracle.
us again next Sunday for the Red Skelton Show. Red Skelton is here in this program to the courtesy of Metro Golden Mayor. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Jack Benny, followed by another new show, The Sealed Book. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's Mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means... There's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing. And she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.